Each time the holy people of God gathers in the temple of God, God proclaims this as a Sabbath and as a feast. And in the temple which He has selected and has outlined His holy boundaries and has dwelled in it. And He blessed this place because here dwells His name. Here is present, present His mark, His authority, His glory, His divine order. And this place is especially protected by God. And based on many revelations which we hear from here, sermons, conversations of pastor, I have come to the realization and to the understanding of the fact that God is greatly attentive towards all of those who come to this place and as well as those who for whatever reason cannot be here and are found at their televisions and have absolute partaking to this body so God is very attentive he looks he looks upon all those that come at each person scanning the heart of a person he looks when we come here how we act towards the word that we hear the preached word that we hear which rings from here from this place do we care for this word after we have heard it he observes how we act toward his revelations which also ring from this place do we reasonably act toward them do we ponder upon them ponder upon their essence their meaning their significance do we understand them reason over them do we hold on to them keep them so that no one may steal these revelations from us do we take care of them but above all else he looks at how we look at the person whom God has established in this church has appointed has delegated him and has clothed him in the dignity of the fatherhood has passed on to him the seed the seed of faith or the seed of every promise made him the carrier of Urim and Thumim and God looks attentively and observes how we act toward this person because how we act toward the messenger of God whom God has given to us in the same way we will act toward God the first commandment love the Lord your God with your whole heart your soul your mind with your whole heart it is impossible to fulfill this commandment for some because God has said if you want to love me love my commandments and commandments we can't directly fulfill we must hear of this commandment and accept it through the person therefore God observes God looks upon the person 
whom he has established to be his lips, how we act or how we behave toward the word of God, how we act toward the person who passes on this word to us. Another commandment like it, that's a twin of it, a twin of this commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. So in other words, when we come here, God immediately looks at the heart of a person, how we hear the word, how we prepare our heart. As we see on our screens constantly, it talks about preparing your heart to hearing, to observe your motives. He watches, observes, observes how we act toward this word and toward the person toward the person who passes along this word and he also looks at our relationship our relationship toward brotherly love which we are talking about today because you know I've paid attention not all but only some people they say I love God I love the word of God I love my pastor but at the same time, uh, it's very difficult for them to condescend to their neighbor, to cover him, to even speak in close relations. Although this neighbor sits right next to them and says the same thing, I also love God, I also love my pastor, I love the word. But scripture says, if we say that we have a relationship with him, communication with God. We love God, the word, the church, the word the pastor gives us because it is that word which God has magnified. He passes that word along to us. But if we walk in darkness, to walk in darkness means to not love our neighbor. In scripture, our Apostle John says, then we are lying and we are acting not according to the truth. But if we walk in the light, just as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And then the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So God observes us carefully. He observes the heart of everyone, how we act toward the word, toward the divine word, the word that we hear that is passed on, and how we act toward one another, our relations with one another. And you know what else he looks at? This is also one of the important truths. He looks at how we, uh, uh, how we are present here in the temple, which God has appointed here. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, in the chapter six, verse 16, we heard this not too long ago. This place of scripture, God has established such a law. This was an establishment. He had passed it along to Moses, his servant, so that Moses, in turn, can pass this along to the people of God. This was a decree, a decree of God. God said three times a year, the whole male gender must come before the face of the Lord your God upon that place that the Lord chooses or selects. So three times a year, the whole male gender they had to be before the countenance of the Lord God upon that place which God would select. Of course, for us, this isn't three times a year, but three times a week. It's a Sabbath, a feast. This is a strategy, a strategy that our pastor had received at the beginning of his service according to a relation from God. And we, with joy, fulfill fulfill this discipline uh, based on our ability 
um, fulfilling it and we are found and with readiness we come knowing knowing that this is a holy place and you know this was given to the male gender this decree God said three times a year the whole male gender must come before the face of the Lord your God and this is all figurative it is written that he who does not come in these three times these were feasts in Israel there were three main feasts we know them and therefore God said he who does not arrive to this feast will be destroyed destroyed amidst his people we know who scripture addresses this image to in this decree to because in Christ Jesus there is no male or female gender but in Christ Jesus there are the functions the functions as pastor says is necessary for us to grow the function of a woman of the bride of the lamb that is capable of accepting the word because the word is the seed and not all can fertilize only uh, infants can't accept the seed one must grow become a tower become a perfect person to come to perfection to come to perfection in order to accept this seed and to fertilize it and the second function is the function of a male gender where we begin to proclaim proclaim the faith of our heart having bound the loins of our mind proclaiming that word that seed and one and the other, and specifically here, it is specifically here in the church that we are going to be taught and that we are going to hear about our calling and about our high calling in Christ Jesus, that in Christ Jesus there is no male or female gender, but there are the functions, and it is necessary for us to grow them. We must have these two functions, the function of the capability of receiving the seed of the word and the ability to proclaim. This is greatly important in Christ Jesus. There is no slave nor free. There is no rich nor poor. There is no Jew nor Hellenes, barbarian nor Scythian. All in all is Christ. And it is specifically in Christ Jesus that we are going to be able to fulfill that commandment to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And it is in Christ Jesus that we are going to be able to offer fruit and be clothed in this fruit if we are going to listen to that word and fulfill uh, setting aside our former way of life of our old man, meaning to die to our old way of life, to reject it, to renew our thinking, meaning to m submit our mind to our innermost man through obedience to the preached word and to be clothed through the fruit. Only here will we hear the words, the revelations regarding the coming end days. And we will hear about them here. It is specifically here that God is going to pass along through His prophet all of those revelations and prepare His church to fulfilling, to fulfilling this wonderful promise before which which we right now are awaiting and it is specifically these revelations that we hear that they are passed on to us on these holy scrolls we call them notes God looks at them as scrolls here is a great labor that is poured out in these and there is a lot that is laid in them by the man of God 
And we have received the right to read them, not just to read, but we can look into them, understand, be clothed in them. And what is interesting, you know the fact that all of these notes are placed on the website in the internet where the whole world can basically real read them openly, not just in Russian. Our saints are labor and they translate in English. In other countries, they translate it in other languages, these notes. People have access to read them. But you know, to read them and to understand, receive only those who accept the one who reads. Because we might read, but we might distort this word. We might... Uh, to understand it for the benefit of ourselves and distort it and rip out what we like. But we don't do this because we have acknowledged the one who reads. Who is he who reads? He who reads is the one who can see the mysteries and uncover the essence of the events, the essence of this word, to interpret it and to explain it. In Revelations it is written, Blessed is he who reads, and of course, blessed are those who listen, who hear, who hear the prophecies, who hear the prophecies that are spoken here, and blessed are those who fulfill, blessed are those who observe, for the time is near. And you know, a pastor truly has great labor in printing these and typing these great revelations in such, such a format. We simply read them. But here there is labor, not just to type, that is also laborious, and it is very difficult, but uh, this must be passed along. And we value, we value this treasure. I know you sit here, each of you values this treasure. There is no greater treasure on earth. Today I would like to read a very important, and you can see it on the screen, and you might say, oh, this is familiar to us, and I thought that is very familiar very important, very well known to us, a sermon, one of those which must be in our heart. Not just must be in a heart, as Pastor says, it must be sealed, sealed and engraved on our hearts. It must also be in our renewed thinking. You must continually uh, ponder upon it. And also, it must be in our meek, pure lips. And also, it must be in the most visible place for us. So there was a request from Pastor, if you remember, for us not to take this sermon far away, you know, as if you listen to it and put it somewhere in the archive. And this is to accept Christ in our heart or to place ourselves in Christ. Christ in us and we in Him. In fact, this is one action, Christ in us and we in Christ, trust and glory. This is one action. But we had looked at this separately for a better understanding of it. I would like to remember the signs of dwelling in Christ, who we are in Christ, and dwelling in Christ, what signs we have. This is very important for us to look at. To check these signs again, to affirm them in us, and I will once again remind you that we, at that time when we were studying this, when we were studying our inherited portion in the name of God, Fortress, and all of the names of God are the portion of our inheritance, they are the portion of our salvation. Therefore, it is necessary for us and very important for us to enter into this portion 
which we have already looked at, to to revisit them, not just revisit. This is good. I have an opportunity to revisit it because this is the portion of the fortress and we had been given quite a bit of time on each of the names. For example, in Fortress, on uh, the name of God Fortress, we were studying for four months. And right now, for a short time, it is going to impossible to go over it altogether today. But I will remind you part of them, and I'll remind you five of the signs, knowing that you have them in your heart. Therefore, it is necessary for us, according to opportunity, to hear and hear and listen more and to engrave this in our heart and to proclaim, write it, proclaim it, and therefore we will do this. For example, right now on Fridays, we are studying our inherited portion in the name of God, Living Shield. But right now I am going to read before we begin and look at these signs. I will read from Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So we had heard, we had heard about this event uh, while we were studying the name of God Fortress. And so before we remember the components of who we are in Christ, or how to give God the basis to place us in Christ, we should not forget one thing, that God can be our fortress only under one condition if our heart is His fortress. So this is a kind of uh, covenant, an agreement. If our heart is not a fortress for God, then God will not be able to become our fortress. We won't be able to come to Him. We won't be able to receive help from Him. And in each name, there is the role of God and the role of man. And you know, sometimes a person says, I am going to listen only, or rather, learn only my role so I don't go too far off, uh, so I don't need to learn the role of God. But this is very dangerous because then we are going to violate the boundaries and landmarks of God. It's very important since pastor shows and points to all the truths and principles. He shows the role of God and the role of man. We need to study the role of God and the role of man, our role. Our role in order for us to not violate the landmark of the neighbor, the boundaries of our neighbor, nor the portions of or the landmarks of God. Therefore, according to the words of Jesus, to enter into our inherited portion in the name of God, fortress, 
Based on this context that we have just read, it is possible upon the fulfillment of three conditions. First, our heart is called to be a fortress for Jesus where he can lay his head. It must become a fortress, and for this it is necessary for our heart not to have holes for foxes and nests for birds. I think think there I don't need a lot of commentary here because you all know very well what holes are for foxes in the heart and what birds are where God will not be able to find comfort and rest where he won't be able to to uh, to lay his head because we heard holes for foxes is when prophecies stand higher than the preached word that we hear and that we receive from here. So when a person believes an empty prophecy, some kind of vision, he believes it more than the word of God, which God passes through his messenger. And in the prophecy of Ezekiel, we heard this place of scripture. Pastor oftentimes reminded us of it. God has spoken judgment over Israel. He had said to her, Woe to the foolish prophets that are led. Your, your prophets are like foxes in ruins. They constantly speak lies, uh, speak false things, they say. The Lord has spoken, but the Lord did not speak this. These are those false prophecies that a person places higher, greater, and for God it is impossible to lay his head. In the, in the heart. He wants the Word of God to be greater than the Word. The Word of God to be greater than these prophecies. And therefore, if a person has holes, he says, I can't lay my head in your heart because you have prophecies. You have some kind of uh, gossip, slander. You accept more of these things than the Word of God, which is preached from this place through the mouths of the messengers. Nests for birds, where he also can't. We know that birds are thoughts. Nests for birds are those evil thoughts in a person that are in the heart. And God can't incline his head or lay his head if there are these kinds of evil thoughts. In the prophecies of Ezekiel, there is also this place of scripture where he turns to also the Jews, to Jerusalem. He says, Wash the evil from your hearts, Jerusalem. How long will these evil thoughts nest in your heart? And we know what these evil thoughts are. These evil thoughts are practically the strongholds that a person builds. This is when a person portrays his own revelation, his own inclusions of the mind, his own distorted truth and he takes it and he measures it with divine revelations this kind of person challenges God and of course he follows the action of the cherubim these evil thoughts in a person do not give God the opportunity to incline his ear in the heart and therefore God says I can't find a, f- a fortress there you have prophecies that are higher your intellect your boastful intellect tries to understand scripture the way it pleases but we have submitted our intellect to our innermost man and of course we have bliss in this and we are 
content. Second, to enter to an inherited portion, the name of God fortress, it is necessary to allow the dead to dead those that have died to the truth to bury their dead that have also died to the truth that represent that category of parents who being believers rejected the truth offered by him as well as paying the price to be a disciple of Jesus they knew the truth they had refused this truth and did not want to pay a price. Many of us sitting here, you have paid a large, great price. In the eyes of God, this is the correct decision because God calls us foreigners, orphans, and widows. When we come to heaven, we aren't going to be foreigners, widows, orphans there, but we are going to be in the likeness of God and citizens of heaven. It is here on earth. Therefore, God has said, allow the dead to bury their dead. They like this. Allow the dead to bury their dead. They like to bury their dead. Furthermore, third, to enter into the inherited portion of the name of God, fortress, it is necessary not to look back and turn our eyes to our nation, the house of our Father, and our corrupt desires, so that we are not like Lot's wife. So we know that this truth is not taught in all churches. They don't even want to talk about this. Running away from this place. What do you mean to die to one's nation, the household, to our own household specifically? And very rarely do you hear these things. And as you see in the end days, how difficult it is to find the true church among many different names, religious so-called names, religious buildings, churches, the church that could exactly, in absoluteness, could represent the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Very difficult to find one like this, to find one where there is the divine order of theocracy of God, where at the head of this divine theocracy stands his messenger who represents the fatherhood on the earth, who passes along this seed, the seed of every promise. And this kind of person is impossible not to notice. Of someone who represents this fatherhood, who leads this structure, who is the carrier of Urim and Thummim, it is impossible to not, just not notice him. He is going to be marked by the heavens, he is going to be marked by the earth, and of course he is going to be marked and noted by hell. His name is going to be known in heaven, on earth, and in hell. Everyone will know, these three dimensions will know of him very well. He is going to be just like Christ. He is going to behave himself just like Christ behaved himself. He is going to be persecuted just like Christ was persecuted. Persecuted by all of these religious institutes, synods, religious leaders that have false false preachings. And you know, this person is a messenger of God, apostle, 
whom God has established at the head of his movement and those followers what these people are going to be persecuted for what is he going to be persecuted for because he has the great wisdom from God because they don't have this kind of wisdom whatever they may call whatever whatever status they might have doctors of theology whatever books or however many books they might write they don't have this wisdom and therefore they due to their envy they begin to persecute they begin to persecute these prophets he is going to be persecuted because he has a moral nature a kind heart of a father because the religious leaders they don't have they don't have mercy they don't have it they are stiff in their heart they can't have compassion with the saints they don't understand them they're not fathers God has not placed them as pastors and religious leaders are the most uh, lacking of moral people they're so dead and he is going to persecute not just for this he's going to persecute it because this person has a high spirit authority and specifically authority from God to show to uncover the fullness of the reigning teaching of Christ he's going to have authority do you remember when the elders of the people the priests the scribes the Pharisees how they were in disarray when they had went against Christ when he preached something they said to him where do you have this authority kind of authority with what authority do you have this who has given you the authority they saw that Christ had authority and they began to persecute him for this I think these questions and I oftentimes hear these questions especially when our church was just founded uh, actually for more than 30 years now and these very same questions also ring the same it's a feeling as if these dead leaders they pass along they pass along these very same questions to their dead leaders when you are told, well, on what basis does your pastor preach this? Why do you have this? Why do you, why does he take the sins of people? On what foundation can he forgive the sins of others? Do you remember when our service was just founded, pastor had implemented the, the ministry of justification, which we do in which we come out to the altar on Sunday and he proclaims your sins are are forgiven your sins and transgressions are forgiven you at at the beginning of of this we did this in prayer we did this at every service there was a lot of people that would come to service at that time and on Sundays we would do this and there were so many of these questions on what basis who gave him the power to take away the sins or blot out the sins what is he God and there were different questions like this that were asked different questions that were specific to why do your children worship along with you why did they sit with you in service and they draw near to the holy body of Christ why do they draw near to the blood of the Lord because they can't discern there were different kinds of questions in this manner and you remember this they were in constant turmoil uh, and not all questions were like this there are also questions uh, out of fear people ask questions out of fear out of curiosity there were some who asking questions sat here and listened and received an answer 
they were ready to receive the answer and they remained here because Pastor, for quite a long time now, he had given answers and uh, basing it on Scripture. He took the whole spirit of Scripture and to answer every question. They didn't hear this. And you know, I remember, I hear this question. There's this one question that I will tell you is asked even to this day. I think you all have heard this question when you have been asked, and why do you do not communicate with your lawless, wicked relatives? who had rejected the church, who had trampled on the truth, who had crucified the truth, who had given up your church and left. Why don't you communicate with your lawless, wicked relatives? Because scripture says you must love all. Their hearts, uh, their tolerant, evil hearts are so capable of going against the truth by loving the wicked, the lawless, and not have compassion over the righteous. This means that we have exactly what we had just read about, that God cannot find and become a fortress for these people. He can't be comforted in these kind of hearts because in their hearts are constantly some kind of thought-up commandments that they themselves come up with, prophecies, but they speak and, and believe in, they don't believe in the Word of God, and the Word of God is not an authority for them. And their hearts are evil, not good. And as we hear, as Christ has said, they won't see, they won't hear, their hearts will understand, and they won't turn, because God said for God to say, for, uh, for myself to heal them, because they have rejected the truth. But I am very glad that we together are a special people, holy, wonderful, because He has selected us out of all nations and has gathered us here. We, us, in fact, there are very many of us. We sometimes think that there's few of us, but there's many of us. He has called us His personal nation here on earth. All right, and so the significance of the law contained in the name of God fortress as the house of prayer is one of the necessary disciplined disciplines called to participate and are coming to power over our calling that is expressed in the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ. So this is not just to hear the truth as we think, but it is a discipline. It is to hear and to accept. Sometimes a person says, I have heard it and then I forget. You know that any truth that is preached here is a discipline. It's impossible to just hear it and forget about it. What is a discipline? Discipline is, of course, obedience, submission, but discipline is also when we learn something, when we uh, draw away from something or draw near to something, any kind of truth is a model which we must look upon and be transformed into this image to learn of this truth. And it's very important to be disciplined in this manner or to say it differently, any kind of truth is a science that we must be taught or a teaching that we must be taught. Therefore, any truth that pastor gives us here if we don't learn, if we don't look into it to uh, 
once again rem- remember them. This is a great, great labor, a great discipline. This is a lot of time and energy that is spent doing this, and it's going to be impossible to fulfill it. But first and foremost, it is obedience. When we hear the truth, it's important to submit. It was necessary for us to study how or on what conditions we can enter into the presence of our God so that He can be our fortress in which we could know God and be fertilized by the seed of the kingdom of heaven in our spirit so that we can can grow from it the tree of life. The tree of life we know is our meek tongue. It is the throne of God in our body. The verb draw near to God as to our fortress contains the abilities that give a person the ability to be fertilized by the seed of the promise. Take a look here, Pastor. There are two functions that we see here. The function of a woman, the ability to be fertilized, the bride of the lamb, she has this ability. This is in one man that this must be, that relates to the door of our hope. With the fruit, this is the fruit, the function of the male that begins to proclaim the fruit of the lips, which God by which according to God, which God receives the ability to to receive the basis to enter into battle over our body in order to destroy the power of death in our body with a noise and to forever cast the old man out of our body whose weapon is the power of death which he relied on. A very filled filled passage here, rich with truth. But the idea here is that is through the proclamation of the faith of our heart, which but with which we will grow this fruit, God receives the basis to enter into battle over our bodies in order to cast out the old man from our bodies. In Hebrew, the phrase, draw near to God, means the following eight meanings pastor has given, very interesting meanings. And each of these meanings is a discipline. It is also a discipline in which we must be found in. It is not just to come to God to approach the altar but how do we approach the altar and you know when I see this I quickly try to remember how many sermons have been told about this thousands of sermons multiple sermons that we have heard from this place I ask myself well how do I build this altar in order to approach this altar and fresher sermons we remember not long ago we heard about Gideon we heard about Elijah who had built an altar you remember that in order to draw near this altar first it was necessary for us uh, to approach this altar it was necessary for us to build this altar the Gideon who we heard about who stood in the gap for his land or rather for his body this is also an image of us that is us who stand in the gap for our body in order to build out of ourselves this altar and he on the heights of the rock the Oprah of the Abiezrites he built this altar when he built this altar he needed to reject a lot to re- to die to a lot in order to not been having been afraid of anything to build this altar and he placed two rams and he made his calling and election more firm so the two uh, the two calves that we lay upon our altar bringing them as a sacrifice this is as Apostle Paul said this will make our calling and election more sure 
The prophet Elijah, he had also built this altar and he was able to draw near to this altar when he on the heights of Carmel built it out of 12, uh, 12 stones. These are all events that we see in ourselves. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, these are all people who knew how to approach the altar. They had built out of themselves, the apostles had built out of themselves a spiritual dwelling, a holy priesthood. This tells us that they knew how to draw near to God. Because in Hebrew, to draw near to God is first you must build an altar. In order to build an altar and to become an altar, Pastor said, we, it is necessary for us to fulfill our calling, and we know this calling to set aside our former way of life of the old man, to reject it, to renew our thinking, to be clothed into the fruit of the new man. This is that altar, the same thing Christ had done. Christ had built this altar, and his altar became his cross. It is written that each one who draws near to this altar will be sanctified, will be sanctified uh, will be the one who has also become this altar, who has begun to cooperate with the cross of the Lord. So here we have an important discipline. And I always ask myself a question that began easy for, for me. When I hear some kind of truth, some kind of word, I ask, well, how? Uh, to draw near to God. Past, or pastor said, to draw near to the knowledge of God. And then I ask myself, well, what does knowledge of God mean? Knowledge of God is always included in us being united with God and one. It's like a marital contract between God and man to draw near to God, to draw near to God, to draw near to cling to His revelation, to His commandments, to His decrees, toward His judgments, toward His word, to His church. This is what this is meant, to enter into the sanctuary of God. This is also to draw near to God. And each of us know who has the right to enter into the sanctuary of God. You ask a question, you ask, well, who can enter into the sanctuary? Of course, only he who has the dignity of a king, priest, and prophet. And you know these properties. Draw near to God is to draw closer to God. Who himself will be able to draw near to God? No one. Only through Christ, only in Christ we can draw near, and only with Christ. This is possible only when we find a virtuous wife, when we find the church that coincides with the narrow gates, where we enter narrow gates and where we come out on the broad path. Only these people can draw near to God. To draw near to God is to resort to the help of God. Sometimes people think that they can all draw near to the help of God. I have prayed, I have asked, and God has not answered me. Well, no, God answers. God answers when we come to the help of God. But only in that instance, when we have a shelter obedience, when we have this shadow under which we are found in the in the cleft of the rock, just like the dove. Do you remember when Pastor had talked about simply the example of the King Uzziah, King Uzziah, who was a godly king, he was a good king, and it is written about him that he, in the days of the prophet Zechariah, had run to God, and God was he came, he drew near to the help of God and drawing near to the help of God. God was haste to him. Why? 
because he had submitted to the prophet Zacharias. Zacharias was his father. He had instructed him. He taught him the fear of the Lord. And when he taught him the fear of the Lord, and this is a teaching that God it said that God was in haste to him. But when he was prideful, and he began became a, a criminal in the eyes of God because he rejected all the prophets that stood, all the priests that stood before him. And we know the end that had occurred. So practically to run to the help of God can only be the one who has a shadow or rather a veil when we have submission to the authority. When we truly submit and we know that then this means that we can come to God for help. Finding oneself in the fortress of God to be fertilized by the seed of the kingdom of heaven and to cultivate fruit to offer God. Seventh and eighth are interesting functions here. Here we again see the function of a woman who can accept and fertilize the seed, the seed of the kingdom of heaven, not just a seed, but the seed of the kingdom of heaven and the function of a male. When we grow, when we grow fruit of the spirit, this is a truth it's a discipline that we hear about and we can't uh, relax why can't we relax because we are warriors warriors never relax they are constantly vigilant we can't relax only warriors can reach and achieve and so the atmosphere that is called to give God the basis to be your fortress is called to be the good soil of our heart that can accept the seed of the word of God and produce fruit that coincides to the seed that was accepted. The question of whether God will become a fortress or on the contrary will he be turned into our enemy and avenger depends on our decision and our subsequent decisions and actions. And for this purpose, just as we did in the previous names of God that are called to become the lot of our salvation, we studied the following questions. I won't read all of them, uh, therefore, I don't, I'm not answering all these questions, but only one of them that Pastor had shown us, because you know, all of these characteristics, purposes, price, uh, there was quite a bit of time dedicated to them. These truths were, un it wasn't, pastor doesn't show characteristics and show it in one example. He had shown several sermons to this, to show the characteristics, the eight aspects, nine, twelve, and the purposes. But we today are going to study the sign, one of the signs, and in these signs, there were eight signs. In this one sign, there were eight signs, and we will talk about the eighth sign. And in this sign were 12 components dwelling in Christ, who we are. The seventh was Christ in us. We looked at that separately. And eighth was we in Christ. I'm just reminding you, and I know perhaps when you taught, when, when speaking about it, you then begin to remember the sign that our heart is a fortress for God and that we find ourselves in the fortress of God will be our ability to give God the basis to place us in Christ. So dwelling in Christ or we in Christ. Their nobles shall be from among them, and their governors shall come from their midst. Then I will cause him to draw near, and he shall approach me. For who is this who pledged his heart to approach me, says the Lord? You shall be my people, and I will be your God. Jeremiah chapter 30, verses 21 through 22. 
If we accept the leader, rather, Jesus Christ, then through him, we are going to be able to draw near to God, and then God becomes our God, and we become his people. Considering that our leader, the leader of salvation of Lord Jesus Christ, he right now is sitting at the right hand of the throne of the Heavenly Father. The Father has told him, sit next to me until I lay all the enemies at your feet. And Christ, after having left the earth, he had left those who are going to represent to represent him here on earth. He said, just as the Father sent me, I send you. To whom who sins you forgive, their sins shall be forgiven. On whose sins you retain, on them they shall be retained. And this he spoke only to his apostles. So this mandate was given to apostles. And furthermore, these apostles had passed along that same mandate, the same powers to the following apostles. Just as Pastor had said, this message God had delegated to simply the specifically the apostles because only those who have the fatherhood of the seed. And what's interesting is that God, this uh, He uh, erects this apostle from our midst. When Moses had left, He said to Israel the following words. He said to them, "The Lord will give you a prophet, the Lord your God." out of your brothers just as me listen to him each one or each soul that will not listen to the word of this prophet will be destroyed from among the people God had always established apostles and always given prophets in the church but the church in its majority for whatever reason stiff due to her stiffness she had rejected them Therefore, automatically, without our participation and agreement in which we are called to fulfill certain requirements, we cannot accept Christ in our heart and be placed in Christ in whom God becomes our fortress. And so, 12 components, 12 signs, there were... Fifteen of them, Pastor talked, said this sermon a few times, showing it from different angles, showing different aspects and signs. That's why today I will uh, talk only about some of them because it is impossible. It will be impossible for us to remember all of them. We can name all of them. I can name all of them to you. But, and I know many of us uh, know them very well by memory. I know how in our cell groups people uh, deal with us, how well they know who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us together with Scripture, using Scripture. And this is wonderful. This is good. That's why I'm simply reminding these are like golden shields that will come from your heart and you're going to see this, you're going to rely on them, you're going to proclaim them, you're going to sleep, talk about this and not forget them. The first sign of our dwelling in Christ in whom God becomes our fortress should be defined by the presence of the signs of a new creation in us. 
So if there are signs of a new creation in us, this means that we dwell in Christ. And so, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. You know, we must examine ourselves. Pastor, this is very important. Examine ourselves knowing knowing. Uh, to, we must know what these signs of a new creation if no, we don't understand or no one has explained what these signs are how to receive them how I have become this new creation do I have a person who is clothed in the powers of the fatherhood of God who is going to be able to explain this truth and pass it along and when we read this and we simply say in Christ Jesus I am a new creation and pastor said this might be an idle word that's why he has given uh, a, an explanation for this. And when the last time Pastor said this was in November, I placed it. Uh, you can look and uh, review all of it. And Pastor had uncovered how do we see in ourselves and how to verify for these signs of a new creation in ourselves that in Christ Jesus, we are a new creation. We must know this very well, not just say, I am a new creation, but momentarily to see the whole illustration inside and to verify, am I a new creation? To be a new creation means that having been placed in Christ, we will gain the ability to continually be renewed and perfected in our spirit under the condition that we look to not the visible, but invisible. For all that is temporary is visible and all that is eternal is invisible. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. This is a very comforting place of scripture that is in our heart, I know, that comforts, it comforts our bodies and our soul. When we say this, Apostle Paul knew this, and that he continually proclaimed this and said, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but things which are not seen are eternal. So when we look at not what is occurring in our emotions, in our body, but we look at the information from God that we have accepted when we look upon it, when we look upon that invisible information to us, although it might not have been manifested in our body, although we might not see it, although on the contrary, we see everything has gotten worse and our body begins to decay faster, to be ill and in circumstances something happens that is unknown but we must not look at this this information must be in our heart and when it is placed in our heart then God will receive the basis to reveal it in his time looking upon the eternal glory of the invisible image of the heavenly body I simply made this bold I liked it so much I looked into this very well and understand understanding this uh, passage beautifully written looking upon the eternal glory of the invisible image of the heavenly body will transform our terrestrial bodies into immortality under the conditions that the eyes of our heart will contemplate this glory in the precious promises that make us partakers of a divine essence. 
So the invisible image of the heavenly body, invisible is the eternal glory of God. It is the invisible image of the heavenly body that is the glory of God. Even just simply looking into these words, thinking about them, and then all of a sudden, something supernatural. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6-18 through 18 who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect. It's very important for us to remember that we are a new creation. Dwelling in Christ, we are a new creation. We all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit from of Spirit of the Lord. We all, with unveiled face, as in a mirror, a mirror, a mirror is the word of God. Unveiled face, this is the door, are the doors of a heart that is open and prepared to hear and contemplate the word of God. To see our reflection in the mirror of the preached word, we look upon our new innermost man upon that glory how do we see it and how do we be transformed in it it is necessary to have a heart that is cleansed of dead works in which are sealed the precious promises of glory that are engraved in the book of Job God revealing in allegories the significance of the glory of the doors of a face of the remnant chosen by him in the image of Leviathan boasted about the doors of the face of his beloved uh, before before we read I just want to uh, move away a little bit to remember why God boasted of his beloved very interesting uh, he talks about the beauty of her face, the glory of her face, and he had shown this in the image of Leviathan. Uh, not long ago in another sermon, uh, and I I made a link to this date, you know, during the time of isolation, during the time of this long time, we had so much time, and we listened to many sermons, many sermons. We all listened to them, and some s- sermons we listened, listened to me and Daniel listened to this each time more and more had seen this image, and we can simply be astonished at this. And when I listened, I couldn't stop listening to it. For one moment, I made a link. You must listen to it. Because Pastor uncovered this uh, mystery of Leviathan, talking about the, the blessings that were given by God to each individually, to the whole church as a whole, to our body. And he had shown this in the image of the patriarch Joseph. He had shown these blessings, and one of the blessings was the gifts 
of the gifts of the depths lying below. The gifts of the depths where we have two kinds of abysses within us and two kinds of leviathans. You must simply read it and I will just very quickly remind us and I will read this. Under certain circumstances in one body could be found two opposing great depths. And a small remark, not in all bodies, but only in those bodies that have received this promise, that have heard about it. Only there is, in that body is where this challenge occurs. So each of these bodies has its own Leviathan. And you will never, in any story, in any dictionary, will find about this, what Pastor talks about. Everyone writes regarding the Leviathan, they write in a negative light showing something that is demonic, scary, not knowing why God created it. They try to interpret they try to interpret it and you will never find that which pastor has written, that which pastor has received as revelation. We must uh, note this very important truth and listen to it and listen to the the whole uh, sermon topic if you have this opportunity. In the bodies of saints who have accepted the promise that relates the door of their hope, one Leviathan in the form of a serpent running straight in the serpent writhing, this is the image of Satan and devil, uh, will be given as food to another Leviathan. This is another Leviathan, image of another, who boils the abyss of waters like a pot and leaves behind him a shining wake, which is called the path of the righteous. Job chapter 41, verses 23 and 26. He makes the deep boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a pot of ointment. He leaves a shining wake behind him. One would think the deep had white hair. On earth there is nothing like him which is made without fear. He beholds every high thing. He is king over all the children of pride. So there is a negative Leviathan, as we had read about here in the image of the serpent, who writhing, who represents devil, Satan, and all of his wicked followers. Those that dishonor the truth. These are those people that represent this image of Leviathan, that old man reigning sin in the image of a serpent. But there is also a Leviathan which God is astonished by. And we see here he makes the deep boil like a pot and he makes the sea like a pot of ointment. No one has seen him before. Just like no one has ever seen, in fact, the church. You will say, well, how? Here's the church sitting here. But no one has seen the church yet. Her glory, no one has seen yet. Her inner righteousness, no one has seen yet. It is hidden very, very inside, and no one has seen it. The world has never seen righteousness, not this world, not the religious world. No one has seen it. And Pastor has said that when God shows this glory, then all of the heavens will tremble. Hell will be ashamed when they see this glory, this great glory which God will uncover and will reveal. Under the image of Leviathan, whom God admires and who plays in the great and 
the great depth of the waters of our bodies, the great wisdom of the depths and the uh, vision of God that is found in us. We must listen to that sermon as well. And right now I am showing uh, the new creation, how to see this glory inside of us, how to look upon it in us, that we dwell in Christ and that we are a new creation. Under the image of Leviathan, whom God admires, in the great depths of the waters of our body, we should consider the image of a new innermost person living in our body, which is an organized partaker of the body of Christ and represents in our body the power and strength of Christ's righteousness. Only God can show this glory. No one will be able to show this glory to uncover it to uncover righteousness as it is written that the book that is sealed inside outside no one can open it except for the lamb the deep waters in the bodies of the righteous is the depth of the wealth wisdom and knowledge of God this thought is taken from the sermon from December 14, 2018 there was a series of sermons and you can listen to them once again I know that you also just like we had listened to it but let us go back to that glory that we had just talked about that we must look upon at the significance of this glory of this chosen remnant where God shows in the image of Leviathan the face of the beloved it is so hidden this glory is so hidden that no one can see it except we ourselves that is why it is very important very important to look right now we're talking about how dwelling in Christ Jesus we are the new creation we can check for this sign of the new creation when we can look in ourselves when we look at the invisible that invisible image of our heavenly body at our new innermost person so that we can be transformed into this image once again the invisible image of our heavenly body this is the glory of God this is the glory that God has hidden we ourselves even to the end can't quite comprehend what this glory is that God that God hides it. it's very important to look at the mirror to look at the mirror not just in this word but specifically the preached word that with an unveiled face, our unveiled face is a prepared heart. When we have prepared our ears, when we have prepared ourselves in order to be transformed into this light. Job chapter 41, verses 6 through 10. Will your companions make a banquet of him? This is talking about the Leviathan, about that new man. Will they apportion him among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with harpoons? This is this new, our new man has this shield. Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay your hand on him. Remember the battle. Never do it again. Indeed, any hope of overcoming him is false. Shall one not be overwhelmed at the sight of him? No one is so fierce that he would dare stir him up. Who then is able to stand against me? 
sneezing from which the light of life comes further on in, in Job is referring to the proclamation of the promise about the raising up of the power of resurrection in our body which dwells in the tablets of our heart in the dignity of the faith of God so sneezing is an image of the proclamation when we proclaim this is sneezing there is a light of the morning that arises for us because you once again are, are comforted when, when you begin to proclaim that which you do not see but that in which you receive this information because only through the proclamation that we can call out resurrection only those who have this function can proclaim not just one function of a perfect male but two functions the male gender this is talking about that we have two functions the function to accept the word the seed of the promise regarding the kingdom of heaven and the function to proclaim and you remember when god said to job here he said lay up I will ask of you, and you explain to me, begin to speak, proclaim. It is through the proclamation that we call out resurrection. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 32 through 37. Upon this event, in this event, Pastor had interestingly highlighted how our new innermost man is going to uh, call out this resurrection. So take a look. Each detail is highlighted in this new innermost person, how he is going to call him out, how he is going to warm this promise that goes through death how he looks upon this glory so that it does not grow cold so that it does not die when Elijah came into the Elisha came into the house there was a child lying dead on his bed he went in therefore shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord and he went up and lay on the child and he prayed to the Lord and he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth our new innermost person has lips has a mouth he speaks the fruit can speak some might say well how does a new man speak how does he have a voice he has eyes and his eyes, he laid his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. This is our faith. And he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. Remember how Pastor had recently said that we begin to warm ourselves with the word, our promise, to warm ourselves. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. And the child sneezed seven times. From this sneezing, we see the light of the day. And the child opened his eyes. Then he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite woman. So he called her. And when she came into him, he said, Pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet. And bowed to the ground. 
Then she picked up her son and went out. Promise. The son of the Shunammite woman is the promise at the door of our hope. And the child sneezed seven times. So we're going to proclaim this. There must come the fullness of time. This fullness of time, no one knows. The fullness of time is found in God as seven times. Fullness, sneezing is resurrection. It is through our proclamations that we are going to bring out this resurrection. And before we receive our promise is resurrected it must be lost in the death of the Lord Jesus so this promise must be immersed into death of the Lord Jesus we don't just immerse the promise separately but we completely our whole essence immerse in the death of the Lord Jesus we can't receive anything resurrection unless we first immerse in the death of the Lord Jesus to lay ourselves totally on the altar. And pastor says, if upon hearing the requirements necessary for adopting our body to the redemption of Christ, we are joyfully ready to fulfill them, then this means that the eyes of our heart are opened and that we can see God when hearing the preached word. So when you hear some kind of requirements, some kind of decrees, commandments, statutes, when pastor reads, explains, and you receive a kind of joy to immediately fulfill, I am ready to immediately fulfill, this will mean and say that the eyes of our heart are opened and that we look upon this promise, we have this, this sign. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. A heart that is cleansed is a heart that is ready to accept. It's a heart that's ready to hear. It's a heart that's ready to fulfill. It is joyful, ready to fulfill. And saying, whatever uh, may be said, I'm ready to go and fulfill it. It always looks with a prepared and a ready face at the mirror and is transformed from glory to glory, from power to power. It goes from faith to faith. It dedicates itself. But an uncleansed heart can't do this. I think there are none of these people here that don't have an uncleansed heart. An uncleansed heart, I know that we don't have them here. All of you are sitting here with pure hearts, with a cleansed conscience. And you try to do this, having discipline in yourselves. An uncleansed heart uh, always tries to give some kind of some kind saying that there's such a high price uh, an unrealistic price it's easy to come to God they say you come to God and say everything you don't need to learn anything you know it's not easy to come to God and that truly, that there is a high price that must be paid in Christ Jesus. And as pastor has said, praise God that God will deliver us from these kind of people who did not want to pay the price. They had refused from the price offered to them, from the truth offered to them, which was given to them, which they needed to, to keep. They needed to keep this truth. But they did not do this. 
and we were freed from these people. Today there remain those who continue to trust in God, those who are in Christ Jesus and having dwelled in Christ Jesus, they are ready to pay any kind of price in order to receive this promise, for this promise to clothe us. Because we can receive this only in Christ Jesus. And so, to summarize, the sign of a new creation in Christ Jesus is a pure heart that contains the precious promises of God and the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ, which God, as a reader, can easily read at the right time. So if there is this promise in our heart, we have accepted it, we proclaim, we look upon it, we dwell, we dwell in it. This means that we dwell in Christ and that we are a new creation. The invisible image of our heavenly body is that glory which is found inside of us and upon which we can look at. And I have only had time to talk about, it's 8.45 and I've only gone over one. I don't think I will have enough time to go over the second one. I apologize that I did shared so few. I don't think I will start the second sign. We have this sermon. We know it. It's, I won't continue, it's in, it's close to us, but we have at least remembered who we are in Christ Jesus and how to verify the sign of a new creation in us. That's why, although, No, we need to leave room for prayer. We can listen to this again and again. We have this opportunity. We are grateful to God that we have a person who has been blessed by God, our pastor, a person who reveals, uncovers, and shows the fullness of the reigning teaching of Christ, whom we can look upon he is this example for us. And practically, all that we receive today and all that we have, it is thanks to this great gift. That's why, let us bend our knees to whom it is impossible, bow our heads. We will pray. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to you for this place which we are found in today. We thank you that this holy, special place is the place of your rest. It is the place of your sanctuary. It is the place of that Zion on which your eyes are directed where we can hear 
where we can hear that preached word and be transformed into this word that is going to be affirmed in our hearts more and more. We thank you that this word we have accepted through your person, through the one who reads. And you have said that we are blessed because we have accepted, because we have heard, and because we observe this word. We thank you that despite Despite that you have tarried, we know that that which you have spoken and promised in your word, you will absolutely fulfill. You will fulfill all of that which you speak to us. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that all that we have, we have in the seed. In this seed, we will grow into fruit through proclamation from our meek, bridled, pure lips. We ask you, Lord, for that word that you have given us, for it to not, so it as rain and snow can, can offer fruit, so that it can offer its fruit, so that we can be clothed in that fruit in which you would like to see us, so that we can be created according to the image and likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ. We deeply know that we are found at the door of this great feast, this great Sabbath. We know that you will lead us out as you have once led out Israel, and you have led him out with songs. You led her out with that promise that they had accepted and that they had received. But you have tarried, you have tarried for the reason to show the old man that this body belongs, belongs to you, Lord, and not to him. This body, our body, is your belonging, and that you will transform it. You will cast out the old man from our body. You are going to lead and carry the battle for our bodies through the fruit of our lips when we are going to proclaim that faith, faith of our heart that we have received today through your word. That we continue to dwell in, in Christ, looking upon that invisible. We today do not grow weary that our bodies are decaying, are growing old, are ailing. What is happening around? Because we look not at this, we begin to look at that invisible which you have placed in our heart through that precious information, through that divine information in our heart, and we have placed it deeply in there, and we look at the invisible image of this heavenly body in order to be transformed. We look in the mirror and this word, this preached word. We prepare, continually prepare our heart, the eyes of our heart, so that we can fulfill what we hear. We continue to discipline ourselves in every truth that we hear. 
so that we can be transformed into this great image and to place ourselves in the fortress of God so that our heart could also become your fortress so that you can be comforted there because in our heart is your word. It is magnified above all else. In our bodies, your word is magnified above all else. In our thoughts, it is magnified and we have magnified it in the temple of our body just as you had lifted your word in heaven. We thank you that looking upon this we can rejoice knowing that we have this. Our Lord, may our lips speak praise unto you because you have not desired sacrifice we would have given it. You do not favor offerings of humble and contrite heart is a sacrifice unto you. You will not turn your face away from a humble and contrite heart. We pray to you, Lord. Look upon Zion. Erect the walls of Israel. Bring to perfection your holy nation. Bring us to perfection and reveal your mercy to us. Then the sacrifice will be pleasing to you offerings then we will bring upon the altar and make our calling and election more and more firm in our life we thank you that we as an olive tree is going to be green in the house of God and dwell and we are going to look upon your mercy we are going to trust in your word that we hear we are going to have that trust that is found in our hope, hope that we have in that treasury of all of the sworn promises of God which we have laid on our accounts in Christ Jesus because we are hidden in Him and we have this great promise dwelling in Christ. You have called us firstborns. You have called the patriarch Joseph firstborn. You have called us firstborn, although he was not the first, but you call all of those firstborns who have placed themselves in Christ. You alone are the firstborn and all of those that were able, according to your mercy, through cooperation with the Holy Spirit and with your truth, to place themselves in Christ. You have called all the firstborn. We thank you for your mercy that we wait for this promise that is going to be revealed in this end days because we stand at the door blessed are you our Lord our Lord and God Jesus Christ according to your great mercy who have grown us in the resurrection of Christ out of the dead to a living hope to an imperishable inheritance that is pure unfading that is kept for us in heaven by the power of the Lord through faith ready to be revealed in the end days. This is that according to which we live by. It is that precious treasure that we look upon. This is that which we are transformed into. We thank you. We thank you that your whole inherited portion that you reveal in your names is so great 
is so filled and each time we enter into these portions we are astonished by that precious information those riches that we have in your wisdom and your wisdom with which we are filled by your fear of the Lord which we are filled with where we dwell continually in this we thank you that you have given this great opportunity and give given us the person the man of God your messenger so that he he can uncover Christ in us can show us how to grow in the full measure of the stature of Christ you have given him the seed of every promise because you have said that only through these people you will give this promise all of the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen to the glory of God through these apostles and prophets whom you have sent we thank you that they have taught us how to cleanse our hearts how to cleanse our hearts from every defiled flesh from every idol how to die to our nation the house of our father to our corrupt desires how to circumcise our hearts how to be immersed in baptisms they have taught us how to not walk before people how to not fear people not to fear our own flesh and the flesh of another they have taught us to not show, to not do that good work that comes from the flesh, but to always be based on what you think regarding this and how you look at this. And thanks to this, our conscience and our heart has become cleansed and has become prepared for the acceptance of your truth. And we have accepted and carried this truth into our heart. And when we have carried this truth into our heart, when we have entered into these narrow gates, when we have gone out on this narrow path, you have sent the Holy Spirit to the Lord, our King, who has become the Lord, who will lead us into this promised land according to your great mercy. Because we have been able, according to your great mercy, Lord, to satisfy your law. To, to feed you, to give you water to drink. We have begun to be coinciding with those divine standards which you have highlighted in your word. We have submitted to all your statutes, laws, your word, your commandments. We bow before this great and mighty word because now we can proclaim the faith of our heart. You have called us Men, because we have been able to gain this capability to accept the seed of the kingdom of heaven, to prepare our heart in order to place the seed of the kingdom into our heart, to become capable, to fertilize the seed, to grow it in our essence, to ponder upon it, to proclaim it with our lips, to proclaim the faith of our heart. We have engraved it clearly in our hearts. We have written it very clearly, and you are going to see. You're going to see this image in us. And we continue to wait for this in patience, knowing that you will soon come. You have said for us to wait for this, wait for this promise in our patience and in patience for us to save our souls. We are grateful to you that we are going to hear that which we have. It is a wonderful place 
We honor this Sabbath, this great Sabbath, these feasts, and each time we come for us, this is a great Sabbath. However much Sabbath we will have on earth, we don't know. This is found in your hands and your authority. But we are going to continue to be found in this discipline, to discipline ourselves in all of these truths so that we can be transformed, so that we can see and view ourselves as that new creation in Christ Jesus, so that we can dwell in Christ Jesus only through the power of the Holy Spirit in your word. We thank you for that word that we are going to hear in the following services. May this word be blessed in our hearts. May we be prepared. May you show to us your mercy to all of us to accept this word to look at your mirror with an unveiled face and with your uh, with a ready face to humble ourselves and to be ready may our pastor be blessed may this anointed man of God be blessed before your countenance we thank you for this treasure for this gift and we love him and we fulfill all of those commandments and decrees that He gives to us, those ordinances that He gives through His lips, because His lips have become your lips. And we fulfill this commandment, and we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our thinking, our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. Because He has showed this in His example, we can see because He is this example for us, which we can look upon. You have given us this kind of wonderful example, and we bow down before you, our Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the hand of the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We will conclude with our unchanging manifestation, not to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.